You know I'm right. The podcast that uncovers the origin stories of some of the biggest names in media, sports, and entertainment. Nick Durst here along with Joe Callum Reese and Joe. Very excited for our guest today, someone who you had the honor of hanging out with on one of your many trips to Tampa Bay. Certainly a, a future star. He, he's on the rise here. We got to give him a cease and desist, though, on his Dylan Cease tw- tweets, which are getting out of hand. But I want to let everybody know who we have on here with us today. First of all, he's already a star. So I'm going to clarify that. And uh, I decided to wear my Steph Curry jersey today because this is the podcast uh, of champions. And we have a champion on with us today. So uh, he's our gambling guinea. Uh, and he should be your gambling gimme. So currently writes for NBC Sports Edge. He's a good friend of ours. He's a good friend of mine. You're right. I had the opportunity to hang out with him in person. Uh, we're going to have the opportunity to hang out more this summer as it goes on. Uh, but without further ado, I would like to interview uh, and to introduce Johnny V to the program. Johnny. Johnny V. Johnny Venzia. How are you, bud? How you doing? Thanks for doing this. With What's us. up, boys? Appreciate it, man. It's good to see you guys. I haven't talked to you guys in a while, man. Like, I was telling Nick, because uh, Tuesdays is our podcast. Like, you've been on the podcast a million times, right? We were filling in as some of the co-hosts sometimes. I was like, dude, this, like, it's been so busy with work, dude. Like, every Tuesday, it's just, you know, I want to do it. But time I get home from work or I have other stuff that I got to do, and it's just hopefully, you know, it's just a quick pause. Uh, I still have the StreamYard account, so I didn't, like, deactivate payment on the StreamYard account so hopefully you know during football season we get some some more going man i'm happy to be talking to you guys i haven't i haven't seen you guys in a while absolutely so johnny is referring to his show johnny vtv which you used to, be able to find on his twitter and youtube so on hiatus but who knows might be back soon but currently he's, he's down the shore we'll talk about that a little later on but you, you are born and raised in new jersey johnny so growing up tell me what, what were some of the teams you've rooted for I gotta say, man, like I was always a always a Mets guy. Like I liked I liked certain players in the Yankees. Like I loved Jeter, loved Mariano, loved Pettit being a lefty. Roger Clemens was awesome, but I was always a Mets fan. And growing up, obviously, you know, I, I grew up 15, 20 minutes from the Izod Center. So my dad would always take me to Nets games with Jason Kidd, Kerry Kittles, Richard Jefferson, Vince Carter. So like I grew up doing that. And then obviously the Devils. So you know, that was always a lot of fun. And then, of course, the Atlanta Falcons was my team since I was a little kid. So it was, uh, so that was I'm always growing up. I'm a big Falcons fan because you used to play Madden with Michael Vick. I actually started before Madden. So okay. I saw I saw Michael Vick play at Virginia Tech when I was a kid. And I was Ooh. like, dude, who is this guy? He's just dicing everybody up. He's running coast to coast, like untouched. Um, and I was just like, yes, yeah. so I, I kept following him. And then I played uh, ESPN 2K, um, 2K3, 2K4. And I was playing with the Bucks because one of my friends liked the Bucks. And then I, I picked up the game and I was on franchise mode and we were playing the Falcons. I was, Dude, who is this quarterback? And then, like, I put it together. It was the same guy from Virginia Tech. And then I was just like, boom. From then on, all about <laughs> the Falcons. This was, this was like 02, 03. So, Joe, would you say that Johnny was very fortunate that he lived in New Jersey and he didn't become a Jets fan? Like, Probably. Yeah, yeah I, I would say so. 
Uh, I think they've had kind of an equal amount of success. I mean, Falcons made the one Super Bowl appearance, but, uh, you know, for the most part, the Giants and the Jets here haven't been good the last couple of years. While uh, the Falcons were good, no Super Bowl, and the Buccaneers have been good recently too. So, ironically enough, we, we know a Bucks fan. So, must be an NFC South thing. Who knows? A lot of displaced New Yorkers feel like they weren't connected to their teams. You're a Nets fan, huh? How do you Growing like the Nets? I was. Jersey how do you like the Nets now? Nah, nah. <laughs> I, I, bro, I'm not an NBA guy anymore. Like, I love basketball. I think basketball is a great sport. But, man, just, like, the whole thing of the NBA the last, like, 10, 15 years, just, it just is such a turnoff. Like, don't get me wrong, bro. Growing up, man, jo- Jordan on the Wizards. I, I caught a little bit of Jordan on the Bulls when I was a kid. Like, Shaq, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, Iverson. Like, those guys were awesome to watch. Like, the 4 uh, the 04 Pistons, the 04 Suns, like those teams were a ton of fun to watch. But like, man, I, I don't care anymore. Like, it's just a catch a game here and there. So the NBA finals, it was, I don't know how people actually could support what they're seeing. Like, it's just not good. Every game was 10 points or more. Like, and I, I truly believe this. And I mean this when I say it and people are going to think I'm crazy, but like, these are all the same people that probably never watched it. The college baseball postseason was 20 times better than pretty much every series in the NBA uh, in the playoffs. It was so much better, bro. I'm not even, I'm not even kidding. Like if you watched, for example, Oklahoma state, Arkansas, it was better than probably any playoff series in the NBA this season. The only good part about the NBA season is the off season. The rest of it doesn't matter. It's all, it's all, it does not matter at all. It's, it's hard, too much, and too much player movement. It's very hard to get into any type of team now today because every team is different after three or four years. Um, and I mean, like I showed the flesh off the jersey at the beginning, but this was a knockoff purchase way back when, when Steph was first on the Warriors and, you know, who knew he was going to win four titles later, but, you know, to wrap it up, it's like, you know, I agree with you guys. The NBA stuff is just meh. And when you're betting on it, it's different, you know, obviously when you have some skin in the game and a little action, but, you know, that really hasn't been an enjoyable team to watch outside of this team in the last like 10 years or so, you know, it's like. LeBron switched teams a bunch of times, turned off people to him. Kevin Durant switched teams a bunch of times. Now people are being turned off to him. Nobody wants to deal with Kyrie Irving anymore. You know, like the, the most likable champ, I think, was the Bucks last year, right? And then after that, you know, you're, you're hard-pressed to find a team outside Golden State. But well, uh, I got to ask Johnny. I mean, I know he's not he's not a Knicks fan, but <laughs> if our guy, the big Mets fan, Donovan Mitchell, ends up in New York, I think uh, might, might raise Johnny's eyebrow a little, but not enough. I like that. <laughs> nah man i mean listen like i'll i'll enjoy watching certain players i just don't love how like for a purpose of it, i love john morant because like and like i saw these these comps this season like john morant on the grizzlies right now is very is drawing shades to iverson when iverson led the uh the sixers to the finals against the lakers what 21 years ago yeah. like it's very it's very similar to that like John Morant could be this generation's Allen Iverson. And, like, I, he's, a, he's a ton of fun to watch. So there's guys that I enjoy watching. But, like, overall as a whole, I can't follow it, man. It's like I you agree. get guys that randomly sit games and you get yeah. – it's just all these trades. Like, bro, like, all these superstars are leaving. Like, it's just not fun. Like, it changes the whole dynamic. Like, LeBron had the easiest uh, the easiest run in the East for years yeah. because nobody was in, in the – Eastern Conference and then switches to the West. Now there's all these good West teams. Now, like, 
you know, Lakers, they win a, a popcorn championship in the bubble on like a COVID season. And then like, you know, maybe he's talking about leaving. Like he wanted Westbrook in. Now Westbrook wants out and he's what? Like, it's just too much, dude. Like I can't, I, I can't. I was never that big into the NBA like that other than like a casual fan. I just, it's gotten worse for me. Like, I think it's a terrible, I think it's terrible. Like I hate the uh, NBA. It's definitely enough NBA talk for sure. So Johnny, growing up, what sports did you play? Baseball, football. That was my, uh, I, I, I mean, dude, I grew up playing basketball too. Like I love playing basketball. I think it's a great game. Uh, those are my three, baseball, football, basketball. All right. So I'm going to guess baseball wise, probably played some first base, cut a little, little time on the mound there, dabbling with some pitching. Uh, Joe, what do you think for Johnny with that, with football O-line or D-line or, or somewhere else? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I don't know if he's like big enough for like D-line or anything like that, but when you're in high school and they're just looking for big guys to throw on the line, that's what they do. Uh, he's built, I think more like a big linebacker, kind of like a hybrid like that. And, uh, I could see him being a good thrower of the football. So I don't, maybe you didn't play quarterback, but probably got a good arm over there too. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, I, at least in my prime, I mean, I still got something. I still got something here on the old, uh, on the old arm, but bro, I still back in the day, bro, I could sling it for sure. Um, but so I stopped playing football after like pop Warner. And the big reason was, was like, all right, like I'm going to focus on baseball. And like, I loved football, but honestly, bro, I hated practice. I hated it. Like, because bro, like running to it, running, uh, running, you know, in the middle of the summer, and, like, I was always one of the bigger kids. So, like, they would always stick me on the line because it wasn't like, all right, this kid's like Aaron Donald. Like, I was solid. Like, I was a rotational player. I was solid. But, like, I wasn't like Aaron Donald. And like, everybody wanted to be quarterback, running back, receiver. And I wasn't any of those. I was always I was always one of the heavier kids. I was always struggling to make weight every week. And I was like, like, I got to watch what I eat during the season because I might not be able to suit up. And I'm like, oh, this is just – it's just not for me, man. And then by the time, like, you know – by the time like everybody was going into high school to play football, I was like, dude, I'm not, no, for what? Like, I'm not going to be a professional football player. Right. Like, I wasn't even anything close. Like, physically, I wasn't anywhere close to the kids in high school that were my age. I was a lot behind them. I didn't really fill out my frame until I was 21. So, like, at that point, it was just way too late. So, I just pretty much stuck to baseball. Speaking of eating, you are Italian. So, tell us your ideal Sunday dinner. Now, let's see if Joe agrees with you. All right. Well, it depends. What's the season here? Like, are we doing, are we doing Bro, winter? Give me, are we give, doing me one, summer? give me one for each season. Okay. So nice. Let's do a nice summer dish, right? All right. Let's talk about a little capellini with shrimp, arrabbiata, little butter, white wine sauce, a little lighter in the summer Sounds than at, it, in the winter, maybe a little rigatoni with the Sunday gravy, chop up a little brajol, some meatballs, a little bit of pork, uh, pork sausage, Put it all together for a Sunday gravy dinner, a little garlic bread, maybe a little anzalat, a little Caesar salad, maybe a, uh, some chicken cutlets to get a little appetizer going. I think that's really where my head's at when it yeah. comes to a nice Sunday dinner. I can't go wrong. That's That sounds fantastic. What do you think, Joe? I agree. I think you do more of the seafood dishes in the summer. And obviously, you and I were in total agreement here. Definitively the best eating holiday in the whole year is Christmas Eve. You need seven fishes out there, Johnny. Do you do that though? Do you do the seven fishes? Because we, 
I we did it a couple times, but bro, it's so much. It is work. a lot. Like, it's a lot. We do of a work. ton of seafood, bro. Like we'll get the galamab, we'll get the seafood salad. Yeah. We'll get you know all of the good seafood stuffs, so at least for appetizers. You know, we'll get some one or two fishes, but like people are doing seven fish. I'm like, bro, who are you cooking for? Cooking for a small army? Like, bro, we'll have like maybe 15 <laughs> people at our house. Like, we're not gonna have leftovers for two weeks. Like. You, you can't have fish for that long for leftovers. So like, right. it's a lot of work, man. You got to be is a lot of for work. like a small army. It is. It's a lot of work for a lot of seafood. And you're right. Can't really have the seafood too long or outside of the next day because then it'll go bad sooner. So that presents a problem too. Uh, but yeah, Nick, I, I don't disagree with any of those Johnny food choices for Sundays. Yeah. Smart guy for sure. And He's used that, used that smarts with gambling as well. So, Johnny, when did you first become exposed to, to sports gambling? When did you kind of learn what exactly this was? And when did you place your first bet? Um, <laughs> exposed to sports gambling? Yeah. What year is it? It's 2022. I would say I was probably first exposed somewhere in like 2004, 2005. Yeah, when you were like 10 um, years old. <laughs> yeah i was a kid for sure i mean bro like you know how it is like growing up and then like i started getting into fantasy i started getting into fantasy in 05 so you know we're we're pushing almost 20 years doing that and then one thing kind of followed the other like my love for the sports was first and then fantasy followed and then like betting followed so like i kind of grew up with betting but obviously it was super like illegal and frowned upon and immoral but now it's cool now it's totally That's fine fun. right um, so it was nice to be able to kind of like parlay all that because growing up, like gambling wasn't legal. This is not, it's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to like broadcast games and like, I would still love to do that in the future. Like be kind of like a Joe Buck or a Mike Tirico or somebody like that. But, you know, the betting thing kind of took on an entire life of its own and I, like it opened the floodgates. Right. So I don't think it's ever going to slow down now. And I think this is something that is just going to continue to go on because it just brings in so much money. And, you know, even a casual person could get so invested in something because they have the opportunity to win money. So I think it's just, it's, I think it's great for the game. I think it's great for all sports and it's just kind of created such a buzz that there never was before about sports. And as for when I placed my first bet, I don't probably, I probably don't want to say that. So could you, <laughs> do you remember, can you tell us what your first bet was? You can tell us. Or what kind of sport it was? It was probably it was probably football. Okay, it was probably football. Back in high school, I would get a guess. Uh, Might have been younger. Might now, been. Johnny, you're one of those guys that gets you know you don't watch college basketball, but you're probably filling out 30, 40 brackets in March Madness, right? Is that something <laughs> you enjoy doing every year? You know what? It's funny because I used to do that. I used to put out like uh, twenty brackets, like just for fun, like wouldn't always submit them. Um, but now I'll probably do if I'm in like a tournament, right? I'll probably do like two, maybe three. Uh, Cause I listen, man. Like one thing goes wrong in one bracket, you're shot. So you gotta have a couple backups, right? You gotta have a couple options. Like gotta have a couple different teams that that are gonna come out on top. Maybe a few different Final Fours or a couple different Elite Eights. But definitely nowadays, like it's more like two, possibly three. And like if it's something I'm just trying to get a little sprinkle casual involvement in, we'll just do one. There you go. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, college sports, pretty difficult to forecast or gamble on uh, unless you're betting on college football, because that's a piece of cake because the favorites usually always win. 
but speaking of college, you went to a great university, St. John's University with Cub Slugger, Frank Patank Schwindel. So first, tell us a little bit about your friendship with Frank, how you guys met, but then tell us about your time at St. John's as a member of the Red Storm. So, you, you know, you know how it is in high school. Like you're always worried about what college you're going to get into. Like my grades were solid and like, you know, I had really good, I really good like resume boosters, extracurriculars and stuff like that. But I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't going to uh, school to play sports. And then like my grades weren't top notch, but they were good. Like I was a, I was a three, five, three, six student, uh, horrible tester. I couldn't, I hated SATs. I hated oh, ACTs. I was terrible. The biggest waste SATs. Biggest waste. Uh, so I ended up going into St. John's, like, so like it's a really good school. It's big East. It's in the city. Like, and you know, at this time I'm 18. So I'm like really looking to get into sports. I know this is what I want to do. Like, I know I want to have a career in sports and like, listen, I'll be in the city. St. John's basketball has always been famous. Big East. Like I know a, a lot of kids going there. It's a good connection to Seton Hall prep, which is where I went to high school. So I was like, yeah, listen, like this is going to be a great fit. I'll be close enough to home, but not too close. And it's nice because a lot of the kids that I went to high school with ended up going to St. John's and a few of them were athletes. So I was able to just really, you know, I was able to connect with the baseball team more specifically because a few of my friends in high school played on the team. And so I really got close to a lot of guys in the baseball team. And one of them was Frank and we were, you know, at first pretty casual. And like, I, I would say like, we're, we're solid friends. Definitely. Like I'll throw him a text every now and then and be like, Hey bro, like, you know, hope you're doing well. You know, you're really crushing the ball. Did you text like, him after yeah. his pitching debut a few months ago? No, I didn't. No, I, I actually haven't talked to him in a while. I, did, I didn't text him after that. I just hit him up before the season, like wishing him good luck and yeah. everything. Like, cause don't forget, like we had him on our podcast, Remember like guests, right before TV. Yeah. Right before the world series. I'm just kind of talking like, you know, obviously you can't talk about betting because you know, they're professional athletes, but you kind of get an idea of like, why he could lean if a team's going to win a certain team's going to win that game or that series like whether it be the pitching or the offensive approach whatever the case is but frank's a good dude man like he's really he's really a good dude and like you know for a guy that is as great of an offensive weapon as he is like it took him a while to get going like sometimes things is just it's timing especially in pros like you have a very short window so like it didn't work out with the royals and then he got went to the A's and the A's caught him and the Cubs just picked him up, man. He showed out and like, it was great because he's in a position where he can play a lot, get a lot of that bats. And, you know, he really, he really made his mark on the Cubs and like, I'm happy for him, man. Uh, it's just, he, he, aside from the fact that he's a great ball player, like he's a great dude. And like, you know, I can't think of too many guys that deserve it more than he does. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy he's doing really well, but we, we had a lot of fun at St. John's man. Like there's a lot of people that, uh, Still to this day, I talk to from from the school. And Steve Lavin, of, when, during your time, was uh, the only reason the basketball program got back on track. Oh, that's my boy, man. Coach Lav is uh, he's good people. He just took the job, I think, at San Diego, the Toreros, and he's you know after what a five six year hiatus from coaching, he's back in the game. Like Coach Lav's a good guy, man. He's he's good people, and uh, I always love talking to him. It, it, you know, it's hard though, man. He's busy. He's busy. It's hard to it's hard to catch up at times, but here and there, like you know, I, I've chatted with him uh, over the years. Not not too much, but like here and there, like I said. But he, he's a good guy, man. I'm uh, wishing the best for him in his, with his uh, program in San Diego. Yeah, with St. John's ties, you know, you and 
and Joe has ties with Marist, but you guys have somebody in common who you both are big fans of. And that's BT, Brandon Tierney. So tell us about how, how you know him and former guests on our show. And Joe, of course, great friends with him. So it's funny, actually, right? So I, so this is my first time down the shore since Memorial Day weekend. <laughs> so that, that Friday, the Friday of Memorial Day weekend, I went to DJ's because like, you know, it's the official opening for the season and like they have all the radio people there, which honestly, I was surprised neither one of you went, but I knew Craig. Florida. Otherwise, me and Joe would have been there. Right. Uh, I went to Joe wasn't. You were, I don't know where you were. I was looking for you, but you were. I was working. Come on, you know where I was. You know where I was. (laughs) But, but, um, so I heard like Craig, Craig Carton was going to be there and I was like, oh, Tiki and Tierney. And like, I know, I know Brandon Tierney a little bit from my time when I was at St. John's, I think actually like my sophomore, my junior year, you know, when you're like 2021, 20, that's when the time, like you're really starting to hunt for like yep. jobs. Like, and I was fortunate because I knew what I wanted to do. I've known what I wanted to do since I was a kid. So luckily, like I had a, I felt like I had a leg up because even at 2021, 20, a lot of kids still don't know what they want to do. So I picked my classes accordingly and one of my professors is unbelievable, bro. Like, I love this guy. He was awesome. He was an Italian guy from Chicago, like really was a mentor to me and always helped me out. And he had a lot of connections in the space just because of like, he's, he put in a lot of time there. And one of the guys that he introduced me to was Brandon Tierney. And it was great because he did a lot of stuff for like radio for St. John's games. And, you know, I was always around the games and doing, trying to do media stuff to like build up the resume. And I met him. And we're really cool. And we had a couple chats and I actually hadn't spoken to him in, in years. Um, and I saw you guys were on the show with him. But the radio show at DJ's, which is like the open opening for the season, which is what they do. I ran into him. I was like, hey, man, like, I don't know if you remember me. I'm John Venezia from St. John's. I was in Professor So-and-So's class. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. So it turns out he moved. And like, I, I look a lot different now than the last time he saw me. So like, you know, I have relatives that don't even recognize me if they haven't seen me in like five years. So he's, I saw him and I was telling him, he was, oh yeah, bro. Like, how are you? How's everything? And he's, I was like, oh, it's good. It's good. And he actually moved to the same town that I live in. He lived, he moved to North Caldwell. So like, I still have his number from like the college days, but uh, I actually haven't hit him up yet. Like we're, we're, he was saying like, yeah, bro, like let's grab dinner or something and catch wow. up. So like, it's funny. Cause like we're basically neighbors now. Ben, I saw you guys had the podcast with him. He's awesome. I met him. We did a Maris Sportscom uh, event back when I was in college. And that was when we were first building it up. So it's like we had a lot of major guests come on at the time, right? So like Brian Gumbel from HBO was one of them. Uh, BT, obviously, because he went to the school. uh, Okayed it immediately. That's when I first met him. Uh, Reached out to him periodically here and there since. And then when he came on, he gave Nick and I like almost two hours of time, which was unbelievable. And it's one of the best episodes we've, we've ever done, but obviously it's pretty lengthy. So it's something that you, it's better to, to listen to, I think, chopped up. You know, you slip to 20 minutes here, half hour here. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's definitely one of the best episodes we've ever did. He's an awesome guy. That's great. We have that connection. I'm sure we're going to need it down the line. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so back to St. John, it's like you're active. Uh, it's a really, really great communication school, and you and Nick benefited from it. Uh, so I guess you could this extends to him too, because I don't know if he's ever really answered on the podcast. But it's like in terms of internships, right? You mentioned a professor who helped you along the way. 
uh, what, what were you doing and what was it like getting that first job after you graduated college? Uh, and then you could ultimately lead us into how you started doing stuff for in the zone. So uh, honestly, it was kind of hard, man. Cause it's like, Uh, the business that I was trying to do at the time, because like, don't forget, like, this is like 2014, 2015. I had no, I had no thought about doing anything for betting because I was like, all right, it's not legal. Betting doesn't become legal until 2018. So I'm like, all right, like, how do I become a broadcaster? Like, there's no straight and narrow path. So what I did was I tried to take a bunch of classes and make a bunch of connections. It's just like, you know, what can I do? And one of the, one of the things was that I got an opportunity to be a, a volunteer my senior year for the big East tournament, which to me to this day is probably one of, if not the coolest things I've ever did. The 2016 big East tournament, my senior year, I was sitting Bayside the entire tournament. And I was just like meeting all these cool people in the industry. Like it was just, it was great. And just making connections. And like, I actually met Gary Cohen from the Mets because he does uh, Seton hall university radio and like Gary Cohen, I grew up guys all time. Like he's, he's one of the best baseball announcers, I think, at least all in my time. opinion, ever all time. And I love, I love listening to him. And I was like, Hey, listen, like, you know, at the time I'm 22 and I'm like, listen, like, you know, I really want to do this. Like what advice do you have for me? Everybody will say the same thing in the industry. It doesn't matter what you do reps, always about getting the reps. So you know, job wise, nothing panned out upon graduation. So I end up getting lucky, like a random day. Uh, I go to my cousin, little cousin's birthday party. And my uncle's fiance's cousin is an HR guy for NBC. And I was like, okay, like, this is great. And basically he's like, send me your resume. So I sent him my resume, sets me up with an interview, helps me prepare for the interview. I go to the interview and I get hired all within, all within the same week. Wow. And it was all for ad sales. And I was like, okay, like, obviously it's not what I want to do, but this is like a, a foot in. Yep. Lo and behold, bro. Like it took me, it took me five, it took me like five years to get out of like ad sales. Cause once you're in sales, bro, it's like a cycle. It's so hard to break. Yeah. Like, it was tough, dude. Like it, it was just, it's not what I wanted to do. And I was just trying to get over to like, you know, up, I wanted to get up to Stanford, really, like where I'm at now, HQ. Like, I wanted to get up there because that's like where, you know, all the content and stuff is made. And like, that's what I really was striving for. And honestly, man, like it, my break didn't happen until 2021. I started in October of 2016. My break didn't happen until July of 2021, where last summer I applied for a job of what I'm doing now. And luckily I got it. And of course, like, you know, it forced me to move back from Tampa. And I was like, listen, this is a short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Like, this is really what I want to do. And I was like, you know, this is my opportunity. I've been waiting a long time for it. I obviously wished it would have happened sooner, but just the way the cards broke, the way the, the hand I was dealt, I was like, all right, like, this is, this is the opportunity. Like I'm 27. Let's go, let's go after it now. Um, and I'll do what I got to do. Everything. I gave up everything to do what I have to do to get to this job. And I'm like, Dude, I love it, man. I really do. Like, I'm so happy. Wake up every day. Love what I do. I get, bro, I get to like talk about betting and fantasy for a living. Like, sure. and anybody that's known me before, that's all I ever talked about before. Yeah. So like, bro, I'm so lucky. Like I, for somebody that like didn't love what they were doing for so long. And like one day I got to wake up and like literally do what I want to do. It's, it's just, 
dude, you can't beat it, man. And like NBC is such a great company. And like, you got so many supportive people that just are always trying to help you get better. And, you know, it's nice because we're always trying to get better as a company, but people are always like really striving for your success and really trying to, uh, assist you any way they can. So it's just a great, it's a great place to be at. It's a great company to be around. And uh, we're doing such great things. And, you know, I'm really excited to see like all the great things that we're going to continue to do. So I want to talk a little bit about the job currently, but first talk us about, talk us through here, the move to Tampa, your process during that. Um, obviously the city of champions while you're there, the lightning win too, you leave, they lose. Uh, the Bucks <laughs> win as well. So tell us about your time in Tampa Bay and how did you just decide and land on let me go to Tampa Bay out of all the places you could have possibly went? So that's a good question, actually, because COVID, you know, during COVID, I moved. So COVID was 2020, May 2020. I moved out of my my dad's house. Like my dad's like, listen, if you're living here, like you can't go anywhere during COVID. I was like, all right, like three months. I'm, I'm sitting there and I, I did the shore house in Point Pleasant the summer before, but I didn't, wasn't there full-time. I was there pretty much every weekend now. So then I was like, all right, like if nothing else, if the shore is not the same as it was last year, I at least need to be on my own and get out of the house. So I was all in, I was like, all right, I'm going to live down there. I'm working remote. Like we're not going to be, we're definitely going to be remote for at least the summer. So I'm, I'm set there. My dad's like, listen, like if you want to go, go, but like, don't think you're coming in and out of the house. Like during COVID, I was like, listen, bro, like I'm, I'm out, like I'll stay down there. So I lived down there for the summer. And then, you know, after the summer wraps up, I'm like, all right, where am I going to go? Like, I, now I got to get my own place. My dad's like, listen, like, yeah, you're done. Like, you're, you got to go get your own place. I said, fine. <laughs> so I moved in with a friend. And then over the, over the time, I was, I was trying to get a handle, like, when are we going back? Cause like, if we're not going back ever or, like, for a while, like, I'm not going to stay in Jersey. It's get, starting to get cold. Like, it's too expensive. I can't afford to live on my own. <laughs> and... This is a real problem though. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, that's just not, it's no, like I've been dying to get out of Jersey for years. So my best friend lives in Tampa. And for my birthday, my 27th birthday, I was like, all right, I'm going to go visit him. Let me get out of the, I haven't traveled in a while. Like I want to get out of the state. It's nice there. It's my birthday. Like, let me go do something. And when I visit him, I was like, yo, this is sick. Long weekend. I was like, that affirmed me to me, if I could move there, I would. That weekend was like, all right, if I can move here, I will. Because I was like, listen, like, I would love to live in like Miami or South Florida. But quite frankly, it's if you can't afford living in New York by yourself, you can't right. afford living in South Florida by yourself. It's the same thing. Right. Um, and I was like, all right, like Florida is realistic. Like I, LA was a dream of mine for the last five years. But then the way LA was going with like, how expensive it is to live out there. And like, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. So I'm not moving to California for a year. It's just such a pain. So I was like, all right, Tampa it is. I get back from my trip. I hit up my boss was like, yo, like, I don't know what our schedule is. Like when we're coming back, I want to move to Tampa. And like this guy luckily was very, yeah, I want to work remote because I want to move somewhere else too. So I told him, he's like, yeah, bro, go for it. Cool. I was going to, I got back probably like late October. So like, Early November, I was I started working on it. It took me two weeks. I called like 10 different places, got prices, and I settled on the place that I have now, which is five minutes from my best friend. And I was like, okay, like this is doable. Like it's it's very affordable. It's on the bay. Like, you know, the apartment's not the greatest, but it's doable for for me, at least for a year. Then we'll see what's up. So 
I wait till after the new year because I'm like, oh, it's Christmas, Thanksgiving. I'm not yeah. going to do travel. So boom, make the move. I figure, I figure everything out and I just go, man. I pack up my car, pack up my challenger, whatever, whatever stuff I could fit in there. Go love that like, challenger. You got a nice rod in it. It was, it was a lot of fun, but bro, like to pack it up was terrible. I was like, dude, like, uh, it, it was bad. Love that car. It was, but like, bro, like after I got to this, once I got to the South, cause bro, I think like people from the South don't like us. They don't like the Northerners. <laughs> they don't like Jersey. Like they pull me over. I like, I got an attitude problem. So like they pull me over, like, and you know, it just, it's, it's not good. So the big thing was, and everybody had told me that don't speed once you get to the South, once you hit like Maryland or Virginia, like boom, speed limit. So I was speed limit the whole way. Uh, so I didn't really get to like open it up or anything, but man, I gotta say though, it was a nice ride. It was, it, it was a nice ride. It took me, um, I went down from Jersey to Georgia, but like outside Savannah, that was one shot Then I finished the drive the next day, but I gotta say, bro, like Tampa was unbelievable. I want to go back. I want to hopefully get, get a place down there. I love it, dude. I never love wanted it. to leave, but like, bro, it's, but like what I'm saying, like, you know, how much are you willing to put in for your own success? How much are you willing to put in for your own goals? And ultimately I was like, listen, like, you know, as much as I love Tampa, like Tampa's always going to be here. So like, I'll get back here one day and like, actually I'm going down for Labor Day uh, weekend. So at least I got my, you know, it's been like five, six months since I've been there at that point, but you know, I'm happy to get back down and Tampa is a great place, man. So up and coming. It's just, it's blown up so much. It's just a great, it's a great city, dude. It really is. I think it's, it's I think it's the best thing is to sell it to Nick. It's like a nice little mix of everything. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's got to feel like you're in Florida, right? The warmer weather and everything, but it's got less of a party atmosphere than kind of like Miami does. Right. It's kind of like a little more of like the, the suburban residential families. Like they're kind of a little more central, like, where my uncle is closer to Orlando. So I have an, an uncle in Orlando and I have an uncle in Tampa, right? So I get to see the differences in both places, right? Uh, with Tampa, you're not that far from the beach. Obviously, you got the bay over there, right? Uh, a lot of really nice places to go out. Ybor City is unbelievable. Uh, a lot of really nice restaurants there and places to get cigars. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a little bit for everything, uh, for everybody to do. Uh, so it's not really any one thing. Uh, and I think like you go down to Florida, you know, people are like Florida's Florida, like the people are crazy there, but there's just something about that area that's so quaint and it's so nice. And the only thing is the Rays play in a dump, but outside of that, why does everybody else, say that they don't bro? Like they I do like play in a dump. I oh, like, please. bro, listen, I had the same conversation with your cousin. I, I like the trap. I think, I think it, I don't know why people hate it so much. Like, could it be fixed up? Sure. But like, it's they a need cool to fix ballpark. it up. No, it's not a, it's well, not a terrible building itself, but it's like, fix it up. It's a major league team and they've been good. You know, I don't like what rooting for the Rays because I'm a Yankees fan, obviously. So, but you know, for an organization that's as well run as they are, they deserve at least major league baseball should like put money into that place and do it themselves because you know, like that, like that organization deserves it. Like they deserve people to root for them and they deserve a home there. And it's like the, you're not getting the support in Miami for the Marlins. Right. So they're going to have to fix up Tampa Bay. And it, you, they did it with the Lightning. And the Lightning are the number one team in that city, as you know. Their banners everywhere. Billboards are everywhere. Uh, but they deserve it. You know? So that's my opinion. Yeah. But that place, maybe not a dump, but the building itself stinks. 
Well, all right. Well, so the thing about that is, and they've been talking about this for years, like to finally move, to finally move the Rays to Tampa because they play in uh-huh. St. Pete right now. So the, listen, I don't know, man, maybe because like they're talking about moving Tampa Bay, the, the Rays to like the middle of Ebor, gentrify the whole area, create a ton of money. People could go to the games. It's a lot more accessible. I mean, something along the lines, maybe not exactly like this, but something along the lines of like how the garden is dead smack in the middle of New York City. So people right. can just like literally walk from any direction and come come down and, and, and go to a game for the Knicks or the Rangers or whatever. But like if they did that, I feel like the Rays fan base would, would explode because a lot of right. people can't get it out is. to St. Pete. Like it's just it's a far drive, dude. It like is. it's it's when there's traffic, like it's like the, the area where they play is awesome, dude. St. Pete is sick, but it's there's so many like, cool bars, it's restaurants. A, it's an hour away from everything going on, like towards downtown Tampa. You know, there's still with like traffic. Yeah. Yeah. With traffic, still it's an hour. Right. You know, so it's like, you know, coming around here, it's like, would I rather go to a game at the garden with Nick or are we rather going to go to city field? You know, the difference between getting to MSG and city field is like the difference getting from like everywhere in downtown Tampa to where the race playing St. Pete. But. Listen, the bottom line is if you're going to a sporting event, it's going to be a pain in the ass to get to and from, no matter where it is. Uh, MetLife Stadium's all right for us, Joe. It's about 25, 30 minutes, but getting out of there is a a horror. Yeah, MetLife Uh, is the easiest place to get to now, I think. And I think if you're in Long Island, UBS is pretty good, too, Um, where the Islanders play now. Uh, Johnny, I don't know, since you've been home, I don't know. I I haven't been to UBS at all, but those are easily the two places to, to get to from at least Nick and I's perspective. MSG is still very, very difficult, but I was able to get there for the Rangers game. So, yeah, you learn. You were in Tampa. I mean, you're just all over the place. Jim. I'm all over the place. And let, me, and let me tell you something. I love, I love Amelie Arena, too. Say what you want about the Lightning. It was very – it was to watch the Rangers lose like that, to lose the four in a row. It stung a little bit, but they'll be back. They're on the upswing. You know, this isn't a case where no, I think they it's won't. a one-year thing. They won't be back. They'll, they, they'll be back. The Devils stink. I'm sorry. I don't know if you're Devils. I don't, I really don't know if you're a Devils fan or not. I don't know. I think of our issue, but uh, but that arena and Emily Arena is is so beautiful and like you like we can literally sit here, Johnny, and talk about Tampa all day. You know, obviously we it's could. not like a we big could. big. It's not a big big city, but it's like it's so nice that you can literally just keep rattling off like things to do. So let's talk, dude. Wanna, you should go down do Labor that. Day. You should go down Labor Day. I'll be there Labor Day. So we'll, don't we'll, tempt maybe, I'll, maybe I'll go visit my uncle. His don't birthday is August twenty eighth. You should wait. Hold on, real quick though, Nick, because you weren't, bro. You weren't down, so like it was me, Joe, his cousin, and his cousin's fiance, right? Yeah. So they, so I guess, I guess his uncle's house is up in Wesley Chapel. It's yes. like up northwest Tampa, like it's deep for me, bro. Like where I get my haircut is in like North Tampa, or did get my haircut on Gun Highway. Actually, it's right by Carol Baskin's compound. Believe it or not, I drove by it one time. <laughs> I didn't realize. I was going to get my hair cut down the street from, from her compound this whole time. And I didn't realize it. But that's still like 25 minutes from where his uncle is. And like the haircut spot is like 25 minutes from me. So like it's like an hour. It, it, it could take about an hour to get there depending on traffic. Um, but anyway, so his cousin Mikey's little sister told me, Bro, I lost it, right? <laughs> so they rented a Jeep. They rented a Jeep. And, you know, Mike's our age. Mike's like, oh. what, 30? His, his younger, sis, his, his younger sister's like, 22. How old's your, 22. Your, younger, your younger cousin's his 22? Younger, yeah, his younger sister, my younger cousin is 22. Mikey's two years younger than Nick and I. He was born in 94. 
So okay, be, all right, but he's still our age. He's, he's right, like our, he's around our age, right? So his, so Mikey's little sister, right? I, yo, Mike's gonna die when he sees this too. So they're gonna. So um, the sister takes takes the jeep, right? They go with her friends. It's her and a couple friends goes and takes the jeep, and they go to the gas station now, right? You know, it's Florida. You fill up your own tank, like you'll, right. you pump your own gas, which if you're from New York, you would do yeah. anyway. What does she do with this Jeep? Does she put in regular gas? She does not. Does mm-hmm. she put in plus? She doesn't. How about super? No. She puts in diesel. Oh, she jams shoot. the diesel knot into the gas tank, fills it up, boom. And then Mike calls you, goes, bro, like, I got a situation. He's like, oh, what's the problem? He goes, well, my sister filled up the Jeep, the rental Jeep with diesel. So now we got to get it towed. And now they got to take the entire thing apart. Oh, and I'm like, oh, and he's like, oh, my dad's going to find a way to blame me. I was like, listen, bro, that's the problem. Like, I have an Italian dad. It's always our fault. It's right. never it's never the daughter's fault. It's always the son's fault. He goes, well, why are you letting her drive the Jeep? Like, uh, you know, I don't know, dude. I lost it. And then like. Joe, Joe, you saw this, right? When you guys went to a Yankee game and like it was the two of them and, and the sister and they put up a selfie. I replied, I was like, Mike, is this the same girl that put a uh, diesel in the Jeep? And he's like dying, bro. It's so funny, bro. Oh my it's gosh. amazing. It's an all-time story. And all-time. I, obviously it's never going to happen again. But I mean, oh my God, when it was never happening in the moment. Yes. So, I mean, he, Mikey was being nice because his sister had just broken up with her ex-boyfriend. And he wanted to do something nice for, you know, his sister. And he was like, you know something? You know, you want to feel good, you know, drive around, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it was, because, you know, we were just looking around at, you know, certain things in the downtown area. So he tried to be nice and, and that's what happened. And it turned into one of the greatest stories of all time. And I personally love when Johnny tells it. He goes, bro, like, why is it my fault? He's like, <laughs> he's like, dad, why is it my fault? Because, oh, you should be driving your sister around. Why is she driving? I was like, I was like, yo, this would be the same thing my dad said to me. It's always our fault. It's always our fault. And dude, and he goes, bro, like, I don't know what to do. Like, he goes, like, the funny thing is, is like, bro, a diesel nozzle is like not a normal size. Like, it doesn't fit. So, like, you really have to, like, you really have to jam it in. in. Yeah. That's incredible. What a story. Only your cousins, Joe. Only in Tampa. Tampa. So, so Johnny, obviously you mentioned your great job right now. How did that kind of evolve for you? Because you came on first as a producer and now researcher. you're a researcher, uh, you know, doing with the producer, helping the producer for the, the podcast and stuff. Now you're doing, you know, the, the, the shows or the tape segments, at least as an on-air talent, you're doing your writing. How did you kind of evolve within that job? So like, it's really good because the researcher, like what I was do- am doing, I was working with talent, like all the time, I was working with talent and producers every day. And, you know, aside from the fact that like, I feel like I have as good of a knowledge as anybody when it comes to like fantasy and betting and like, in terms of like football and baseball, like, and I, you know, it's just how I've always felt like this. Um, it's really good because I got the chance to like work from and like, learn from uh other people that have been doing it before me in in the business so i was like okay like let me buy my time let me do really well at my job let me do really really well before like i ask for something so if i started in august like late august early september i didn't really ask until i would say like mid-october i was like hey listen like i want to get like on camera side and like i talked to my producer and he's like all right like i'm i'm gonna you know 
I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to make some calls or like, you know, reach out to some people because like, like if you want to get on, if you want to get on camera for here, it's going to be a long road. It's like, whatever I got to do. So long story short, reaches out to one of the managers who like, I never really had met at the time. Like we're on calls together, but like, we're always like doing calls about our shows every week. So like, I never really have a chance to like get the, to know people personally. Um, Cause don't forget, like at the time, like we're still all remote. So anyway, one of the guys uh, reaches out to me and he's been unbelievable. Like he's just, I like, I owe everything to him because I like everybody's tried to really help me. And like, you know, I, I always appreciate that. And basically one of the guys who has been unbelievable to me, like he's really probably been the, the biggest reason why, like I've, I've been able to like uh, contribute the way I have thus far. And basically he says, listen, like most important things writing. And I, I believe that too. I think like you need to, you, if you want to do this, like you have to write, like being able to write is huge. Like it's just so much more than performing or helping out your grammar and your speaking and like your thought process. But like, it's, it's good. People want, sometimes people want to read stuff and it's important. Writing's always important. I think reading and writing and, and speaking always go all hand in hand. But anyway, he goes, send me a writing sample, send him a writing sample. And, um, you know, long story short, he's like, all right, like write another one next week. And then I kept writing and I kept writing and I kept writing and I kept writing. And like, that's put a lot of good momentum towards the end of the NFL regular season. So I probably started routinely writing like week 15. Uh, and then I went on spaces like the Twitter audio podcast um, for the playoffs did well with that and then started working more on like social stuff. Like I do battle the bets a lot, which not, you know, not to brag. I am the all time, all time win, win leader. I'm 16 and six all time. Um, currently. Uh, so doing that and like starting to work more on, get more opportunities on camera and like continue to do stuff. So like, dude, it's, it's been great, man. Like one thing's led to another, but it all started with like, first things first, like do really well at what you're paid to do. And if you have like all the information, you have all the knowledge and like, you know, then it'll be up to them to decide if you, if you really do. So, but the writing was like the, was like the first start of everything. No, of course. And I wanted to ask, what, would, what is it like moving to Connecticut? Because Jersey, Florida, to Connecticut now. Um, I mean, I've been in and around that area by where like Stanford is and like the campus is. Uh, I, I know where WWE headquarters is right off 95 over there. Yeah. I have people who have lived in Stanford and I happen to think Stanford, Connecticut, that area, you know, the immediate area, you know, half hour in every direction is, is kind of really, really nice. So uh, what was it like with that, the transition? It was tough, dude. Like, honestly, like it's just, it, the move to Connecticut was harder than the move to Florida, in my opinion. Like I, it's a lot more money up here and it's just like getting all the furniture was like a, a big pain. Like I still have a couple things I still haven't bought actually, I like, you know, the area is cool, like where I live, but it's Connecticut, right? There's no good. There's just degrees of bad. Like I would never, I would never voluntarily move to Connecticut. Otherwise <laughs> I was like, it's a huge drop off. It really, really is like, um, but, the, but in terms of like, if I had to live there, like where I live right now is a really good spot. I live in the middle of the action. I could go out to a bar. I go out to a restaurant, eat, uh, have, have a good night out. And I don't have to drive anywhere. Like I live right next door to like a really cool Japanese spot. So like anytime I feel like getting out of the house, Going to get a couple beers, go to a happy hour, get some sushi, watch a game, like boom, walk right outside. Like so, so the convenience is great. I live 10 minutes from from HQ. So I mean that aspect is cool, but it's definitely, it's definitely not Florida. You know what I mean? 
Of course. Absolutely. So Joe mentioned at the top, you have the gambling guinea. And if everyone, anyone follows you on social media, <laughs> that's your persona. How did you come up with that and your signature catchphrase that you start all of your NFL Sunday gambling videos off with? You know, I don't really know. Uh, so, like, this is right when gambling came out. And, like, I was like, okay, like, it's an opportunity for me to, like, get into it. And, like, I've always been big into sports and, and betting, like, um, and always paid attention to stuff. Like, bro, I'd be, like, 11, 12, year old, like 12 years old, like, checking out what the lines are. Like, wow. you know what I'm saying? Like, I already knew what the lines are um, when I was a kid. So, I'm like, okay, like, this is, this is good. This is a good spot. And, like, somebody I talk to, like, knows people that are, like, big on social media goes, yo, like, you have, like, something different, something that's just unique to you. I was like, okay, like, you know, if I'm doing gambling, I'm like Italian. So it kind of just like came up with that. Like that could be like an alter ego of mine, like super Italian, like a gambler and like something that's like kind of catchy. And it's like funny. Cause like I'll walk around the office and like people will call me that. And like, <laughs> like random, like, no, oh, it's a gambling guinea. I'm like, Hey man, like, um, so that's like kind of, it, it was just kind of like, just like caught on. And I was like, all right, like, let's run with it. We'll see what I go by. But, um, yeah, it, it's just funny. Kind of just come off the top of my head with with certain things. And if it sticks, and I just like kind of stay with it. How do you get access? A lot of your videos you do in front of the Sopranos house. How do you how'd you get access to that? How'd you find that spot? Oh, they're they're my neighbors. Oh. So I just I roll <laughs> so I roll up, I roll up right to it. And I'm just like, okay, like, you know, it's wide open. I feel like it's like a good backdrop. And yeah. it's funny too, because I'll be like, Dad, like, you gotta come film me. Like that, that's the biggest pain actually yeah. filming the videos is like, Who was I don't when you in Tampa, your friend? I bro, I got random, I got random friends. Sometimes I had to do selfies. Like I got to invest on like, what are those things that like holds the camera with the light? You know what I'm saying? So that way, like, I don't have to have anybody depend on anybody, but like, I'd be like, dad, you had to come film the run with friends. And she goes, no, like John, I'm not doing that. Like I know the people that live there. I was like, and like, they won't have a problem with it. So like, I try not to like overuse it, but like I'll do it like once or twice a season. Um, I think your best videos, yeah, in your velour tracksuit, jumped right in the pool. How'd you, how'd you, <laughs> how'd you draw that thing off? Dude, I don't know. I was just like, what is, what can I do that is so stupid and so ridiculous, but people will love it? Cause like, bro, the most, almost feel like you, you ever watch a commercial and for like a product and, the commercial sometimes is so good. You forget like what the actual product is. Like you forget what they're trying to sell you. Like, I almost feel like some of this stuff I do could, could be like that. Like people are paying attention to more what I'm doing rather than what I'm saying. Um, and I was like, all right, like, what could I, what could I do? That's different. Like, and then I was just like, I was like, okay, like, let me be outside the pool. Like it's at the bay. Like the backdrop is cool. And I'm like, just walking around. And then like, I see the pool and I'm like, I look down, I'm like, yeah, we're going in. So then like, I have no problem like jumping in in the pool with, the, uh, with my clothes on. And I was like, all right, it's going gonna, it's gonna to slap. It's, it's going to slap. <laughs> we, we, all, we also love your signature sunglasses. And I'm sure I'll be wearing those down the shore this evening for sure. But before we Sam talk about the shore, where you and Joe frequent a lot, Need to ask you what in your career or maybe in school was your you know I'm right moment. So even by that is a time where you wanted to do something, you ask somebody for advice, they say, you know what, Johnny, don't do that. That's that's a bad idea. And you said, you know what, 
I'm going to do it anyway. And ultimately, you will see why it is that I'm right. Um, I don't know if I had like an actual defining moment where somebody said that. I just like over, you know, throughout growing up, it's just, it's not that, you know, obviously you always get people that say you can't do something, which uh, like one thing I've always learned, and I'll apply this to anything in life. If somebody isn't putting money in your pocket, clothes on your back, food on your table, or offer you like support or wisdom from like a, a positive place, I have no, I have no, uh, I don't care what they say. You know what I mean? Like, I don't listen to those people because like, why would I like, what, what, what do you do for me that would enable me to want to listen to you? So, but growing up, the, the main thing is, and you know, people prepare you for it. You know, it's going to be a tough field. It's, it's, it's a very, it's a very competitive field, very tough field. And like, I've heard that a lot growing up and I'm like, okay, like, so, so what? Like, I, and I thought about it more. I'm like, dude, everything you, everything you do is a tough field. Yeah. You want to go be a, a musician, any type of musician. That's a tough field. You want to go be a doctor, a lawyer. That's a tough field. You want to go be a, a painter. I'm sure it's a tough field. Like you want to go um, be a movie star. That's a tough field. Like everything's a tough field. Like, what do you, and listen, if it's easy, nobody's going to want to do it. And I was like, listen, this is what I want to do. It's just, it was more about at least growing up. Cause like, bro, when we were kids, like podcasts weren't a thing, like or they were a thing, but they weren't like what they are now. Podcasts exploded over the last like five years. Like they weren't a, a big thing. Like YouTube channels. It wasn't a huge thing back then. Like it is now. TikTok wasn't around uh, Instagram, Twitter. Like the only thing that was around really that I was on is MySpace. Nobody's like going to go do that. But at least growing up, the only thing I could do was like, okay, let me like educate myself as best I can. So, but it, but it was, a, it was enjoying like every Sunday I watched football. Sunday's always been my me day. Since I was able to drive, since I was 17, I would drive myself to a bar every Sunday by myself and watch every game. And like, it'd be to the point where my dad's like, dude, are you going to come home? Or are you going to sit in a bar all day at like 17? People were going to think there's something wrong with me letting my 17 year old son sit, sit at a bar all day. I was like, dude, like, Stuck, and it was like, bro, to the point where, like, I always would get in fights with my dad. He's like, every Sunday, you're always at the bar, you're always watching, you're always watching football, like, it's all you do. And he's like, what, why, like, why do you like to do that? I was like, okay, first of all, aside from the fact it's what I enjoy and it's what I want to do, think about it. There's going to be, there's going to be the best people in the industry I have to go up against. I have, to, I have to be better than them. So, if, in order to do that, I have to understand everything everything about each game, each team, each player. So eventually like he saw it. And then once like, you know, things started happening, he's like, all right, like now, you know, you, you did something with it. Like finally, like at least it wasn't a total waste. You <laughs> sitting there on a Sunday from, from 12 to eight every week, like. <laughs> Spoken like a true Paisan, but you're right. I mean, listen, you're right. Social media didn't exist when we were younger and there weren't ways to get content out there. And now you can get content out there and now <clears throat> still difficult to find something, but made everything just slightly easier. So, uh, and Johnny, I will say this before we let you go. Um, probably not this weekend, but I think next weekend is the weekend where uh, the itch, I haven't scratched it all summer, but it's time to scratch it. So uh, I'm going to give you some dates and uh, we're going to hang out down there and we're going to go spread the word about Johnny VTV. We're going to go spread the word about the podcast. Uh, we're just going to have a really, really, really good time. And Nick is going to be badgering us, asking us for all the stories when, when it happens, but we're going to make it happen soon, buddy. Uh, we're going to go down the shore soon and 
we're going to have a really great time this summer and we're going to see each other again. Uh, and we thank you for doing this with us. You're a dear friend to us. Very fortunate that I had the opportunity to hang out with you in person when I did in Tampa. I realized that night that when we were at the arcade, we had a really great time. I realized what Nick and I were in the process of making somebody who we think is probably going to be a friend for a really long time. Um, so you've seen episodes. You know what we do at the end. We give our guests the last words. I'm about to shut the fuck up. I don't know if Nick's going to have to edit that out or not, so we'll see. But yeah, probably edit that out. <laughs> I try to I try to keep it I try to keep it uh, clean ish. Uh, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was definitely great to catch up with you. I haven't talked to you guys in a while. And listen, we got to get everybody to DJs. So I won't be down next weekend. I'm down this weekend. I won't be down next weekend. And I'll probably be down the I will be down the following third week of July. You got it. I remember always happy hour during the day. It's like four to seven. Right, the middle tank, of the day. Tank top. Tank top inside, sunglasses inside. Yo, we'll start ripping some grails. Like, bro, we'll have a good time. They'll play Call and Lose My Mind five I, times every hour. We're going to get Nick in there. Nick is going to bat his walls. That, that is the best song ever made. Nobody is going to convince me otherwise. That it's song an, is the best song ever created. It's the national anthem. Cancer. It's the anthem for D- DJs. It's literally like when I, when I told you, I was like, bro, like the Avalanche have all the small things. And like, it is so calling lose my mind for djs like it just is it's the absolute best like it's just uh, bro i mean I, I can't like it's it's actually the best we'll be doing it soon happiest place on earth and uh i i prefer going on a sunday for a sunday fun day however i will open up my schedule to whatever day is is good for you so we'll take we'll make- off a monday too we'll do a tiki monday absolutely we'll make that happen all right, so it sounds like you two guys are going to have absolutely diesel time down the Jersey Shore. <laughs> we'll stay tuned for that. Uh, Johnny, let everybody know where they can follow you on social media and, and follow those shenanigans and sell your college baseball and Dylan Cease twi- tweets. Yep, so you can get me on Twitter. I'm at underscore Johnny VTV. I need to buy the guy out who doesn't have the underscore in front of his name because I really want to get rid of the underscore. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram at Gambling Guinea, and I'm also on TikTok at Gambling Guinea, although I'm just getting back into the swing of things. But you could also always read my articles on NBC Sports Edge, giving out all the betting picks for baseball, college baseball, and, of course, football. All right, there you have it. So that's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right for our very special guest, Johnny V, and my co-host, Joe Calabrese. I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right.